So this series, I love my church, or I heart my church. It's been an interesting one for me to walk through and to study for. And as we've talked about in the previous weeks, if you haven't heard uh, the previous um, messages, I encourage you to go online, uh, gsnaz.org. Just scroll down a little bit, and they're there for you to hear. Uh, you can probably catch the live feed on Facebook still somewhere on our Facebook page. But if you need to get caught up, all of those messages are always there, and they're archived, and you can see them all, hear them all, um, uh, pretty much in perpetuity. They're there for, forever, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I know. Um, but if you ever need to catch up on anything that we've um, previously done, if we start a series, you come in in the middle, you miss something, uh, you're unable to be here for a week, something like that, you can always go back and catch. They're available online for free uh, anytime you want to go and listen to those. But the first week we talked about um, being a deep and wide church and how uh, the reason that I love my church and not, not just my church, but I love the church, but more specifically my church, um, is that we reach out, we do things, we, we are we're constantly thinking of ways that we can reach out and build the kingdom. And, and talking about being a deep and wide church, being deep in the fact that we get uh, we get into the Word. We, we try to be uh, as informed as we can be and do studies and have opportunities to gather together and to learn together and to grow together. And then to be a wide church, to be outreaching, to be reaching into the community, you know, to be, be, be reach that hope um, tenets, those four tenets of the church, the hope, H-O-P-E. And we talk about how we reach out and we talk about doing car cruises and doing trunk retreats and doing whatever. However it is, we can reach the community. Because we talked, we said that, that we can't just open the doors and have the sinners come in and repent and it's all, it's all just wonderful. We have to go out and reach and be wide as a church and go wide. And I talked about how you can be deep and wide as, as a person, as an individual. And how that attitude can, can inform your life. And how, how you can be a deep person by getting into, into the word yourself. And how you can be a wide person. And I, and I mean that in the, in the kindest sense. But how you can be a wide person in, in, the, in the spiritual sense. How you can reach out. How you can help individually. And then last week we talked about you come as you are. If you remember the message last week, we talked about um, how there were certain, um, certain uh, steps that the early church thought you needed to take to be like them. Right? We, had to talk, we talked about how the Jews were mostly uh, making up the early church, Jewish converts to Christianity, and the Gentiles started coming in, and the Jews said, well, they got to be like us. they got to have certain, they got to dress a certain way. they got to look a certain way physically. And then we talked about, no, that's not how Jesus would, would want that. Jesus, his mission was twofold, to seek and save the lost and to make disciples. Right? So that's what Jesus' mission was. And it wasn't to, that everyone had to look the same and everyone had to look like us before you can be with us. You know, and I've heard it said of other churches that, you know, you can, you can belong here. You don't, have to, you don't have to become like us. You can walk in and come just as you are. And that was last week. And this week we'll talk about how we grow deeper. Because as the title of the message says, when we grow deeper we also grow stronger. And I'm inviting you to participate in church today. Remember, this isn't a monologue up here, right? It's a dialogue. I like a little head shake. I like a little, you can say amen. You can say, you can say, preach it. I heard someone say last week, uh, after the service, the, the, the one thing that the preacher loves to hear the most, hey, you finished up a little too early this week. They, they told me that. 
And I won't tell you who that is, so you, you can't throw things. So, <laughs> but that's the thing. You can, you can, it's, it's interactive, and I want you guys to be engaged in the message, engaged in the word. I heard one preacher preaching one time, and someone, someone, it was a southern church, and someone in the congregation, it wasn't an amen, it wasn't a preach it. Um, you know what's also as good? Take as long as you want, preacher. I love those. But I heard someone say this in a, in a southern, southern church. They said, let the wild hogs eat. If you want to shout that out, boy, that's awesome. Preacher, let the wild hogs eat. I don't even know what that means. But participate in the message. If you have your Bibles this morning, flip over to Hebrews chapter 3. You can join me there if you have a copy of the Word. We also have the, the Scripture on the screens. But it's Hebrews chapter 3, and we'll get there. But I thought, not thinking about it. You know, we're still in January. Is, has January been the longest month for y'all? It is like all the anticipation of the holidays and, and even up to New Year's, and then kind of suddenly the breaks come on. And it is just, it's still January. But time does, con- does continue, right? Time flies. And, and we're still getting our momentum together for the new year. And we're still in this first month. But a lot of us, when the year begins, we talk about opportunities, right? To think about the kind of, of man or woman that we want to be in the year to come. And, and the kind of disciple of Jesus we want to kind of be and turn into this year. And I, I know every year, at least, I try to make sort of a mental uh, list of things I want to accomplish and things I would like to see God do in my life. And I noticed in my own life, as I'm now 40 years old, um, I'm a little bit older now, and I'm noticing that if I really want to change, if I really want to be a better person, a better man myself, I try to overcomplicate the process, right? When in reality, it's the simple things. Get back to the basics, they say, that are the hardest for me to do sometimes. And I got to wondering, I wonder if the enemy, y'all know we have a spiritual enemy, right? You, you know that, right? They're trying to let the wild dogs eat. <laughs> They're trying to keep us. I wonder if the enemy is trying to keep us from doing some of the simple things because he knows that it's the, the, the simple things that make a big difference that really change us. It's not the complex, big, complicated, multi-layer things that we think we've got to do. Because you intuitively know that if you can do a few small things consistently, it has big change in your life, right? For instance, we live in a culture where there's lots of good food to eat. Let's just admit it. And last night we took some, some men of the church got together and these were the men, these are the, the men of the church, I'll tell you. And we got to throw axes at targets that are about that far away. I'll tell you what, if you've never done it, stress reliever, yes. Uh, but man, it was a blast. And if you weren't there, you missed it. And then afterwards, we went to a barbecue place. Uh, they're not paying me, so I'm not mentioning their name. No. It was right up in Sharon. It's called Bad to the Bone. And Bad to the Bone Barbecue. So there's a lot of good food to eat out there. And we're talking about making small changes. Well, we didn't start until today. Um, yeah, last night, the men that were there, well, let's, the, it was piled high and it was unbelievable. And if you weren't there, uh, you really missed it. But there's a lot of good food to eat, and I, I, I like to eat. No let the wild hogs eat on that one? 
I like to eat. Nice. Now, I usually eat three times a day, whether I need it or not. And I love good food. I, love, I know some of y'all are like vegetarians and stuff. And praise God for you, right? But that's great. Pass all your meat my way. That's, I'll take care of it. Uh, and I, I was used to say, you know, there's a lot of good food out there to eat. Small things. And I know the vegetarians, they say, well, you know, I'm an animal lover. So I don't eat the animals. So I eat just, I'm a vegetarian. And I would say, why do you hate plants so much? But a lot of times, you know, these New Year's, these resolutions, these things we want to change. We want to get in shape. We want to be fit. Maybe we want to lose a few pounds. And if you're up late at night or something, you can see that there's plenty of people that are out there that will overcomplicate this for you. I'm talking about simple things. They'll tell you that for the low price of $19.99 with 73 monthly installments of $0.16, cents, you now can get this new little pill. And you can get buy this right now while supplies last. And we'll also give you some this, this band that you can put on. And the band, you can stretch, and, and you can stretch it this way and that way, and we'll give you this. And not only that, but if you act right now, we'll throw in this machine, and the machine that comes in a UPS truck the size of a satellite, uh, the size of a spaceship, and we'll give you all these different things you can do. But we all know intuitively that you want to get in shape. It's simple. It's not that complicated. There's two steps. Eat less. Move more. That's it. Right? I heard a preacher say, come on, somebody. Eat less, move more. So that's the way you do it. But it's, it's so easy to overcomplicate things. And in, in keeping the focus on the message, when we want to grow deeper, we want to grow, grow closer to God, grow deeper, grow deeper in knowing who Jesus is, we can often overcomplicate it. And, and it's, it's, if we make things too hard... It's easy to make excuses not to do them. It's pretty simple. Like in the area of finances, right? It's pretty easy. Spend less than you make. Pretty simple. But nobody really wants to hear that, right? We want a bailout. We want an easy fix. It's kind of the human nature. Well, give me the easy way. Give me, a, give, me a, give, me, give me a plan. Give me something to do. But how many people know that the things in life that are easy most times don't last? If we take the shortcut, if we take the easy way, a lot of times that doesn't really hold and it doesn't really last. The things that are hard, things that require a little bit of effort, things that really change us, they tend to last. I'll show you something. At the beginning of this year, right now in January, while we're still looking at the year ahead of us, we're building some momentum. If you want to really become a better woman or better man, if you want to have a deeper, more thriving relationship with Jesus, if you want to be more committed to your, to your husband or to your wife, if you want to be a better dad, be a better wife, be a better whatever, if you want to, if you want to be able to give more, if you want to be able to, 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 to realize God's blessings in your life this year, if you've got lost friends that, want to know, that, you, that you know need to know Jesus, it's really simple. We don't need to overcomplicate it. It's going to require a little bit of effort, but God's going to give you the grace and the strength to do it. And we'll find that out as we look at the scripture in Hebrews chapter 3. And if you take notes and you like to title your messages, it's up there on the screen. Um, you could write it down in your notes or, you know, if you have it, if you have an Apple product, you know, a smartphone. Uh, if you have an Android product, it's just a moderately intelligent device. I guess you know where I am on that debate. But if you have a smartphone, an Apple, you can write the title down at the top. Grow deeper, grow stronger. 
We will never grow stronger in our faith unless we go deeper into who Jesus is. You know, it's like a tree. You know, the tree that, that bears the most fruit are the trees that have the deepest roots. So if you want to bear fruit, you've got to have deep roots. You've got to go deeper. So if you really want to go stronger in your relationship with Jesus, you're going to have to go deeper into who he, he is and deeper into his word. That reveals who Jesus is. Uh, and I want to be clear on that. I want to make sure that, you know, you don't get in some, some funky kind of belief system off in left field somewhere where, where you think that God by osmosis is going to reveal things to you. No, God speaks through his word, ladies and gentlemen. God has already revealed everything you need to know about him, and it's found in his word. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. And the writer of Hebrews, and we're going to go through this a little bit, and I'll pause to make some points, but the writer of Hebrews says this in verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who's he talking to? Holy brothers and sisters, the church, who share in this heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. So let me pause right here. The phrase, fix your thoughts on Jesus, right? It's a very convicting phrase for me, fix your thoughts. Because if I'm going to be completely transparent, at my age and stage in life, I have a hard time fixing my thoughts sometimes on anything for more than about 12 seconds. You ever feel like you got more to do than you could ever really accomplish? And you're, you, you try to fix, you try to focus, but then the phone rings, and then the dog barks, and then the this, and that. And, you, and it's hard. It's hard to get focused. And he says, fix your thoughts. You ever think that you can't even finish what you have to do, let alone the other things that are optional? Another thought jumps in, and your mind, like a gremlin, it starts to, to go in there and move around in your mind all day long. And after all these years in ministry... After all these years, as far as my outer actions go, and some of you may relate to this, I hope I'm in good company this morning. The outer actions, you know, we pretty much have those on lockdown, right? Like, uh, uh, most of us aren't, you know, doing the things that, that would cause others to stumble, right? We love to use that phrase. Most of us, you know, aren't going, going gambling in Vegas, so we're not, we're, not, we're not hanging out in strip clubs, most of us. On the outside, right, we have things pretty much locked down. We know what we should do, what we shouldn't do. You know, you're not drinking pot and smoking beer on the weekends, right? I mean, I got some people still with me this morning. But we can learn how to sort of be professional Christians, right? We, can, we know how to act so people don't look at us and call us that famous word that the world loves to call us. Yes, hypocrite, thank you. So for me, as far as the outer things in my life, we got that down. But that's not where I go, go often when, I, when I'm ashamed to admit or when I'm embarrassed about some things. A lot of times where we struggle, and, and I do too, is right here. Right here. My thoughts that make me aware often about how sinful I can get and how I need Jesus' forgiveness moment by moment. I can be up on this platform preaching and I can get the wild dogs to eat and our hogs and I can get all of that and it can be, I can get it going and we can, I can see people saved at the end of a service and walk out of the room and drive down the road to lunch. Oh man, and I'm just fired up where there's a bunch of lanes to choose from and there's a guy in the lane next to me and that's where I need to be. Plenty of room for everybody out there, right? But I need to be over here. And when I speed up, they speed up. And when I slow down, they slow down. They just simply will not move. 
And this is where my, my mind gets moving. You know, I could, I, if we're driving along and my wife's car is pretty big, I mean, buddy, I wonder what would happen, you know, if I just decided to kind of overcome your little Prius there, man. We'd see who wins, your little Prius. I could probably give you a little, I always tell them, I'm just going to give them a little tap. Just going to give them a little tap. Remember walking in high school in the hallway and you wanted to give your buddy a flat tire, you just kind of go in the back of him and boop, you pull the back of his shoe down. Well, that's kind of what I want to do in my SUV. I just want to go, just let me give him a little tap. Just a little, hey, just help him out. I'm really trying to help. Just trying to help him out. You know, a little Prius, come on, buddy. I can fit your car in my car. Let's go. They love the environment, right, the Prius. And I love safety, so I better just... My thoughts betray me is what I'm saying. And I think I'm in good company by the nodding and the, and the, and the chuckles. Somebody makes you mad, so mad. You ever been there? Somebody makes you mad and you just want to say Jesus, but not in the proper context. You get so upset with people that you want to introduce them to Jesus, but not for salvation. You want to send them right to the judgment seat. Anybody? Thank you. Come on, somebody. I guess I'm among friends this morning. Oh, how we need Jesus. Amen. It can be hard for me to fix my thoughts on Jesus. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, the scripture says. And that can be challenging. And we acknowledge that Jesus is our apostle and high priest, as it says in the scripture. Verse 2, he was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. All right, now the writer of Hebrews introduces us to a character named Moses. Why does he bring Moses up? Most of us are familiar with who Moses was, at least a little bit. He was this Hebrew child who grew up uh, in, in Egypt, and, and God used Moses to rescue and deliver the nation of Israel out of slavery and bondage. And he says that Moses was faithful in all God's house. He also introduces his concept of a house. And when the Bible begins to talk about God's house, there are kind of three symbols that should pop into our mind as the scripture mentions God's house. The first is the Jews. Now to the Jews, the God's house would have been the temple, the synagogue. And, and then in the New Testament, God's house, when Jesus appears and Jesus is born, he is crucified for our sin, resurrected for our forgiveness, and he establishes the church and the church and the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost and, and we are now his house, Right? As the church, the Holy Spirit came upon us and we are the church. We gather the church in a place, but we don't come to the church. And I know that's that's our vernacular, but the church is is the people. And so that's what the, 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 the God's house is, the church and the church is the people. But the third way we see God's house in Scripture is that you and I as individual Christians bringing it home, we are his house. And I'll prove that to you in just a minute. This is a powerful illustration of us individually being God's house and how we can actually grow, go deeper and grow stronger in our faith. Because it says in verse 3 that Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. Just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. So he's sticking with this idea of the house. And those of us that live in a house, when we're driving down the road, and you probably notice houses too, and, and if you're ever in the market for a house, right, you're always like, well, you're noticing houses all over the place. 
And you always say, you know, what beautiful landscaping a house might have. Or if you're building a home, you might notice little appointments, what a beautiful porch. I wonder if that's cultured stone. I wonder if, if it's real rock. You know, I love that wood. What's it, cypress? What? And you, you know, you, so if you start, if you've ever built a house or in the market for a house, you notice these things. But rarely do people drive by a house and, and aesthetically just drive by. Look at that home. Rarely do we think, you know what, I bet there's a really strong foundation under that house. People drive by, you know, and, and they say, well, rarely do they say, I wish I could meet the builder of that house and talk to him about that foundation. I bet they're just brilliant. Because we're wired a lot of times to, to look at the external things. We like appearances, right? We like things to look good. We like to look a, a certain way because it makes us feel better. And, and we like the external. But the scripture says the builder of the house has greater honor than the house itself. And why is that? Because houses don't really build themselves, right? Especially when you see a big, beautiful home. You know, I don't, I don't believe in evolution, especially when it comes to a house. It didn't just happen. If you want to live in a house, you've got to pay someone to build a house. Or you've got to inherit that house. But eventually you've got to come to the realize, realization that the house didn't just build itself. And may I make the connection to the scripture and the connection to what God is saying to us. Somebody is building your house right now. Somebody is building your house. Jesus is making a home out of your heart that he wants to live in. Jesus is creating a place in you that he wants to dwell in. And if you really would get a hold of the fact that the God of the universe has even chosen to live inside of you, maybe you would kind of get out of this dark pit of self-pity that you live in when you tell yourself, oh no, I've done too many things. Preacher, you don't know. I've done too many bad, I've done too many mistakes. I've been certain places, you know, I, I'm, I'm divorced. I've, my kids are rebelling. I, I struggle with an addiction to this or that. But let me tell you something. That's not who you are in Christ. That's what you might do. But it's not who you are. You are a house. And the one who is building you has honor. Because the one who builds the house has greater honor than the house itself. Every single one of us is turning into someone, right? Some of y'all I know are in the mindset of, you know what, hey, I'm 48, I'm 53, I'm 69, I'm 75, I'm not really growing anymore, my days are, I'm, I'm done now. Let me tell you something. You're always becoming. You're always becoming somebody. Each one of us is turning into something or somebody. And who you're becoming is way more important than what you're doing. Who you're becoming is more important than what you're doing. Because we want to focus on the activities of our lives, right? The externals. What are we doing? But who am I really becoming as a man? Who are you becoming as a man, as a woman of God? Am I becoming a better husband to my wife? Am I becoming a more compassionate, listening father to my children? Am I becoming a more patient minister of the gospel who cares about people pastorally? Am I becoming a better man of God who is fully committed to the will of God right now? You have a moment. You have moments where you might fail or you might have a bad thought or you might just want to take that Prius out. But that's not who you are. Let me tell you who you are. You are a house that God lives in by his spirit and God is building you. 
And this is amazing to me because when God builds a house, he doesn't have thoughts like we have. You know, we, we build a house or even buy a house and we think, you know what, I'll live here for a little while and then I'll, I'll eventually move out, you know, get something different or something better, bigger, just different. Probably one day I'll sell this place, maybe turn a profit, you know, if I'm fortunate. God doesn't build a house to live in for a little while and then vacate the premises. God doesn't build a house to one day move out and give it to somebody else. No, God's not trying to turn a profit in your life. God's not trying to make a profit off of you. God is doing a work of transformation in you by living in you. God cannot live in us and us remain the same. It's impossible. You are the house that God lives in. Verse 4. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Who's building your house? Who's building your house right now? Should be. Are you allowing the Spirit of God to build your house? Or are you letting the culture build your house? Have you spent more time watching the news and trying to figure out if you like Trump or not? Have you tried to figure out, is he really a Christian? He seems to do some things, but then... Or are you allowing the Word of God to continue to form your worldview and your character? To the word of God to, to inform your love and your compassion for people. I want God to continue building my house because I want him to come home to a place that's welcoming to him. Verse 5. Moses was faithful as a servant in God's house, bearing witness to what will be spoken by God in the future. Verse 6. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house, and we are his house. Hope. Oh. In case you had any doubt, there it is. In case you weren't convinced, in case you thought the preacher was making stuff up, it's right there in God's word. We are his house. He lives in us because he loves us, but there's conditions. If we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me though for 40 years they saw what I did. Verse 10, that's why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. Verse 11, so I declared an oath on my anger. In my anger they shall never enter my rest. Verse 12, see to it. Brothers and sisters, who is he speaking to? Brothers and sisters, believers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. I want to sit here for one minute. I know in a church like, you know, with our different cultures and different people have come from different backgrounds, things like that, right? People have come in. And, and, and you're hearing the word of God and you're hearing things and you're seeing things being revealed to you by the Holy Spirit through the word of God. Listen to this. See to it, brothers and sisters. Who's he, sp- who's he speaking to? And we are the believers, the church. So he's speaking to us. See to it, brothers and sisters. People that are in the church. People that are saved people. This isn't the, the, the world out there. He says, see to it, brothers and sisters, you and me, the believers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that, help me out, turns away from the living God. Turns away. There are those believers, and I do call them believers, 
that would say, after you are saved, you come in and all, you make a decision, you, however you come to Christ, you make a decision that you are signed, sealed, delivered, that's your ticket to heaven, now you can go out and live any way you want. Because you knelt in an altar when you were seven years old at VBS. And you're saved and sanctified and you're done. Let me tell you something. This verse right here that says turns away. Do not turn away from the living God. I want to tell you something. And you, you may, if you don't get anything from this message, you may want to write this down. The same grace that saves you is the same grace that will let you walk away. Hear me. This is the truth of God's word. The same grace that saves you, it's the same grace that will let you walk away. Let that sink in for a minute. This grace that we don't really know everything about. God's grace is... Is something that we don't know about. It's gigantic, humongous, all-encompassing. It's, it's, it's who he is. It's God's grace is bigger than our feeble minds can understand. But it's that same gigantic, huge grace that accepted you in the first place, sinner that we, walk, that we are, that will let you walk away because love is not something that's forced. Love is a choice. And God will not force you into his heaven if you don't want to be there. Y'all hear me on that? You clear on that? You okay with that? Okay, let's move on. That's the verse. The same grace that saves you is the same grace that will let you walk away. And if you walk away from God, and if you walk away, turns away from the living heart. Why did he say, see, see to it that none of you, please, he's pleading. Do not walk away. It is possible for you to walk away from God. And it's not rocket science, this idea of, of figuring things out. We talked about complex and, 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 and intricate things that, will, that make a difference, that help you grow deeper and stronger. It's not hard. It's not rocket science or brain surgery. If you want to grow stronger and deeper in your walk with Jesus, if you want to have victory in the areas of your life where you've known defeat, if you want to break free of addictions, if you want the fear to leave your life, if you want to go where Jesus is calling you to go and want to do what Jesus is calling you to do to be who he wants you to be, it starts with this condition. If... If, if, if you will refuse to have an unbelieving heart, if you will refuse to keep a hard heart to God, open your heart up to him and receive his word. It's not rocket science. It's not hard. It might be hard to do occasionally. But I'm going to tell you what's harder to do than keeping God's word. I'm going to tell you what's harder to do. It's harder to live a life void of the power of God in your life. It's harder. It's harder to live your life without the Holy Spirit. It is harder. It's a lot harder. People say to me, oh, it's so hard to get in shape. It's hard to get my money under control. I'm like, no, it's not hard. Hard is having cancer. Hard is dealing with something like leukemia. Hard is, is, an addiction, is, hard, is breaking an addiction to drugs or alcohol. That's hard. It's hard living your life away from the presence of God and trying to do it on your own. You want to talk about hard? 
Live your life on your own without God's presence for a little while. And let me know how that's going. Very rarely do I get into a meeting with someone who needs to speak to me. And they say, Pastor, we need to talk. And I talk to them and they say, you know what? I've been reading my Bible and following Jesus and believing what the scripture tells me. And uh, and my life's a mess. It's rare. It's rare. But you want to give, you want to live your life apart from God and, and apart from what he has for you? That's hard. I know I'm, I know I couldn't do it. I know I couldn't do it. But I, you know what? I've made my mind up. I'm, 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 the die is cast. I wear the jersey. I've joined the team. I'm paying my membership. I'm in the club. I'm part of the family that will carry me. And I can't walk without Jesus. I just can't. I'm too weak. If I take a step, Jesus is not my crutch. He's more like my stretcher, my ambulance. He's my resurrection from the grave. He, people, I've made my mind up. I'm not. I can't live without him. I just can't. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. It's foolish. It's just not smart. And so here's where we start. Lay a foundation. We lay a foundation. This is where we start. You want to grow stronger and grow deeper? Lay the foundation. I love this imagery in the scripture of the house. It talks about a house. It talks about the builder. It talks about Moses being faithful in God's house. Jesus being faithful over all God's house. And we know because we have the common sense that the most important part of any house, regardless of what the real estate agent will tell you, And I'm not against real estate agents. If you're listening online, my sister's a real estate agent. I'm just telling you when they're trying to sell a house, there are two parts of the house that you want to showcase. Two parts of the house that if you're trying to sell, you're going to remodel, you're going to get them up to snuff. And some of you know it's the kitchen and the master bath. The kitchen and the master bath, right? You're trying to sell a house, you want to remodel, you're going to keep the nasty old carpet in the den that smells like things and you don't even care you're going to remodel the bathroom you're going to remodel the kitchen why because that's where the women like to be and we all know that women end up guys we know women end up making that decision is this the house for you guys we can live in a tent how's the kitchen how's the bathroom we don't care about the kitchen and the bathroom guys what do we care about the bedroom right that's pg-13 and i'm gonna move on that's all i gotta say about that but the kitchen and the master bath is worthless if it's not sitting on top of a solid foundation nobody drives past the house and says look at that foundation but there are not there's not a single beautiful home without a foundation the foundation is the most critical part of every house and if we are god's house then the foundation is, is the most critical part. And the foundation needs to be firm and solid so we can stand on the person of Christ and the work of the Spirit and the Word of God. The foundation is where we build everything. And I'm wondering about your foundation today. Some of y'all thinking, you know what? <laughs> I'm too old, man. My foundation's shallow and it's crumbling and my foundation is worthless. Look, it's never too late to lay a foundation. Never too late. If you're here breathing, you keep going. I'm telling you, if you're still breathing, you can keep going in the faith. I don't care if you're 21 or 81 or 101. If you're not dead, God's not done with you. 
Just because what happened before doesn't mean you can't change. You can't see things changed in the future. You can glorify God. It's never, ever too late to lay the foundation. But you got to start. That's how you begin a foundation. That's how you begin that home. You lay the foundation. When you say, oh, I might be 70 years old. You know what? Give your life to Jesus anyway. It's not too late to lay a foundation. Every house is built by someone. And anybody that builds a house knows that you got to get in, you got to dig deep, you got to pour some concrete, you got to get the trucks out there, you got to get heavy machinery, and you got to go to work like it's your job. Because if you're building a house, your job is to make sure that people who live in that house are safe and secure from harm. And if you don't have a foundation, I don't care how beautiful the house is or how much you paid, that house will fall, it will implode. It will crumble. But when we are built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, I love this verse, that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Y'all remember that verse? No weapon that's formed against us will prosper. There will be weapons formed. And they will come against you. But they don't stand a chance. So when I'm struggling with temptation, instead of me saying, I really... I really shouldn't. What I'm telling myself is, you know what? I'm laying a foundation here. I might be 48 years old, but I'm still laying a foundation. So right now, I refuse the temptation. I'm not going to lose my temper. I'm not going to take out the Prius. God help me. Give me the grace. I need the Holy Spirit right now. This foundation that I've staked my life on, I can stand on it and put my entire weight on it. Hey, when you sit down on a chair, right? Many of you have sat down on chairs today even. You ever think to yourself, hey, I wonder if this chair is going to hold me up. No, because you got faith in whoever built the chair, right? They had common sense enough to build it in such a way that you sit on that chair and it's going to hold you. And you're not going to fall and bust your tail, right? God does not want us to have a shallow foundation. He wants us to be rooted deep in who he is so that when we need him, we can confidently stand on who he is. But the foundation's worthless if you don't build something on top of it. So from there, after you lay a foundation, I want you to stay focused. Stay focused. Sometimes this is hard for me to do. I, I, like I said in the beginning, I, I'm not sure if, if I was, I was never diagnosed with any of those letters. A, ADD, ADHD, ABCD, EFG. I don't know what I have. But sometimes I get distracted easily. Squirrel! Sometimes... Sometimes, hold on. Sometimes it's hard for me to stay focused. Sometimes it's... <laughs> Y'all should quit texting in church. You know what I heard from our, our tech team is that the people, most of the people who watch our live stream are in church. That's the truth. Sometimes I get distracted. I have a short video that I couldn't resist on how we can get distracted. How we can how we can get distracted and not pay attention to to, to things. I'm going to play the video right now. I was going to make it shorter, but they just kept getting fun. <laughs> Distracted people. 
I wanted to make that shorter, but some, I just couldn't leave them out. The lady who goes in, the, then whoop, disappears. I'll tell you all, if you could take a trip in my brain, you'd never come back. But it's hard to stay focused sometimes. Especially when you're thinking about all the stuff you need to do in your life, right? All the kids, your kids need driving lessons. Your kid needs to go to college. You need a new car. You're, the roof on your house is 20 years old. Any guys dwell on stuff that need repaired on their house? They just, they just can't stop thinking about it. They pull up in the driveway, look at the roof. Someday we gotta get to that. Someday we gotta get to that. And, and at work, you got a conflict with your boss or some coworkers, and, and you haven't been, the gym, been back to the gym in three weeks like you said you were going to on New Year's. And you know your tooth isn't hurting, but you don't want to go to the dentist because you hate the dentist and you don't want them to charge you $14,000 just to look at your tooth. It's hard to stay focused. It's hard. But right there in verse 1, if you remember back, it says, Fix your thoughts on Jesus. So when you get, get the bad news, you don't focus on the diagnosis. You focus on Jesus. You fix your thoughts on Jesus. 
goodness, I got to get through some of this. Pursue faithfulness. Number three is pursue faithfulness. Two different times in this passage, the word faithfulness is used. In verse 6, it says that Christ was faithful, faithful as the son over God's own house. Moses was faithful over God's house. And it says that we are his house. We hold on to what's faith, the faithfulness that is Christ. That's what faithfulness is. It's holding on when you want to let go. Faithfulness is staying faithful when you know you say you'd rather quit. There's something to be said about showing up every single day in your faith. And when I die, I don't know when that'll be, and hopefully it's not anytime soon, but when I die, I want to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. Not well said, because anybody can stand up here and talk. Not well planned, because everybody's got great plans and intentions. Henry Ford said, you can't build a reputation on what you intend to do. I don't want to hear Jesus say, hey, well planned. I want to hear him say, well done. I want to do something for Jesus and make a difference in this world. I want to see my children raised up to love God. I want to see my wife thrive in her ministry and her life. I want to have a great marriage that's a testimony to people that two sinners can come and get along and make it work by the power of God's grace. I want to make a difference. I want Jesus to say, well done. Not well said, not well planned. Pursue faithfulness. I want to do something. I don't want to sit on the sidelines if I could preview the the big game that's coming up. I want to get in the game. I want to break a sweat. I want to have some bruises. I want to have some scars to tell the story of what God has done in my life. I want to pursue faithfulness. I don't care if I've got the biggest ministry. I don't care if I've got the best reputation. I don't care if I'm a household name. I'd rather not be. I want to get to heaven and see Jesus say, come on, boy, I've been working on a place for you. I've been working on a place for you, and it's ready. Let's eat. Let's fellowship. Let's get to know each other face to face. Lastly, fight fear with faith. If you want to go deeper and grow stronger, you've got to fight your fear with your faith in verse 12 it says see to it that none of you has a sinful and unbelieving heart and turn away from the living god we struggle with fear i don't know how many of you might be afraid of things that will never happen we play out scenarios in our mind that will never come true and here's what we think about fear that and this is where so many of us get tripped up we think that fear will magically evaporate but i got news for you as the scripture says brothers and sisters Fear does not evaporate. Fear must be evicted. Fear must be thrown out. You've got to grab fear by the throat and choke the life out of it. You've got to kick fear in the face. You've got to punch fear out. And here's how you do it. You fight fear with faith. You face your fear head on and you tell your fear that it is smaller than your Jesus. You tell your fear that it's a lie from the pit of hell and you claim the promises that God has given you, given you. And then you go back to doing what you know to do. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Focus your attention on him. And you'll tell the fear that you are not my God. You do not own me. You do not tell me what to do. I walk in faith because Jesus gives us the victory. Fight your fear with faith. Remember, it's not rocket science. It's not difficult. I will fight fear with faith. I will not have an unbelieving, sinful heart. 
and I will get you, I will get this done for you, Jesus. So that he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Stand up. I want you to grow stronger. I want you to grow deeper. I don't want you to be on the sidelines watching all of us play the game and have fun. Get in the game. Pursue Jesus and pursue faithfulness. Get in his word. Get on your knees. Worship him and let his word wash you and fill you with faith. Where fear used to control you, faith now reigns in you. I wonder if you would bow your heads with me. In response to the word that you just heard, not from me speaking, but from what God has revealed to you through the Holy Spirit. I wonder in a crowd like this I wonder if you would just be brutally honest and admit this morning that for whatever reason you're here somebody asked you to come somebody drug you here somebody put you in the car and said you're going or whether you came willingly I wonder if you'd admit that you believe you're not here by accident. And that as you have heard from God's word this morning, you felt the Holy Spirit speaking to you. I know that I know that I know that you know when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. God's word does not return void. And that means a lot of different things. But the word also says, how will the people know if someone doesn't preach to them? And with heads bowed and eyes closed and and a reflective time that you can say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? heard the word this morning you stand in this room and you've heard this word you've heard enough this morning to be accountable to God so that when you do stand before him and you will stand before him one day and I'm convinced that God's word tells us what that day is going to be like and it's revealed in scripture that there may be two questions asked or two statements said to you the one is what I just said well done good and faithful servant come let's eat together and if you know Jesus as Savior you know you'll stand before him one day and you will hear those words well done come on but if you're far from God this morning and you don't know him as savior you may hear the words depart from me I never knew you 
And my fear is none of us are promised tomorrow and that if you were to die today, my fear is that any one of us, any one of you, would stand in front of God and Him say, depart from me, I never knew you. You say, God, but I went to church, I was there. Jesus, I knew all about you. Yeah, you knew about me, but you never knew me. And I never knew you. And there's a very real, authentic place that God wants to spend eternity with you in heaven. So with your heads bowed and eyes closed, and I I give this invitation every week, and I don't want it to be rote, and I don't want it to just be something that we do, but I do realize that some people, this might be your week. You might have heard it and heard it and heard it, and then you say, you know what, before I even step foot in that church this morning, by the end of service, this is my day. I'm going to respond today. This is my week. I will pray for you if that's you this morning. And nobody looking around, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you would just be honest with your pastor this morning. So you know what, pastor, I'm feeling far from God. I need that relationship with Jesus Christ. That's me this morning. Just slip your hand up and say, pastor, that's me. I've had enough. I can't do it on my own. I can't do it apart from him. That's me. Just just raise your hand where you are and I'll pray for you. Father, in your presence this morning, we're humbled. And I pray, Lord, that if there's one person in this room or listening online this morning that doesn't know you, that things aren't settled, that things aren't completely clear between them and you, God, I pray, Lord, that they wouldn't let another moment pass by without confessing before a holy God that they need you. Start there. Start to build that foundation that is so important so that at the end of our lives we can stand before you and you will say, well done, good and faithful servant. And God, it's because of your faithfulness to us that we can even begin to be faithful to you. God, I pray that you would change hearts because of the word we've heard from your Holy Spirit this very day. Father, let us get closer to you. Let us grow deeper and grow stronger in our faith. Let us not be so distracted, Lord, that we don't see what's right in front of us, the opportunity to spend eternity with our Heavenly Father. Let us not be so distracted and and so preoccupied with the things that, that need to be done in this world that we don't even see right in front of us that the opportunity to, 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 to have salvation in our lives is right before us so that we can spend eternity with you. It's the life decision that everyone has to make. Father, we realize that you will not force us into your heaven. For love is not forced, love is a choice. And you chose to love us so much, 
you sent your son to this earth to live, to die, and be raised again, defeating death, hell, and the grave. That choice of your love for us, that we might have the opportunity to spend eternally, eternity with you, oh God, I pray that we all would make that choice. In this place or listening online, that we would all make that choice. We might know a lot about you, but we don't really know you. Father, that even one would come to know you. It would be worth it all. Father, go with us. Be with your people. Help us to chew on this word. Help us to internalize what we've heard about. We'll go back and read and and study and grow deeper and stronger with you. For your word changes us. Your word causes us to grow deeper and stronger. Speak through your word as you've promised to your people. Grow us. Challenge us. Thank you for loving us. As we go from this place, might we not depart from your presence. In Jesus' powerful name, amen and amen.